0: We've come to embrace the term social distancing from the Centers for Disease Control. That means avoiding group gatherings plus crowded subways and buses. Social distancing in action. Social distancing.
1: Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing.
0: The new coronavirus buzz break. phrase. Yes, the buzz phrase of the moment is social distancing, also known as don't breathe on me, bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Adios and you
0: yeah, I'm leaving GA We, uh, I'll say, Andy learned TikTok <laughs> Because going into the shutdown, I told him everyone is going to be on TikTok So we gotta figure this TikTok thing out, like, fast <laughs> So he had to put on his 18-year-old hat and learn TikTok And so now he, I think one of his videos went viral He has, like, over a million views on that video Holy
1: shit Son, and roll a big fat one And, and grab my guitar and play Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the EWB podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, coming to you with part 10 of the social distancing series, a series where I catch up with my friends from around the world as this world evolves into chaos amid this global uh, pandemic. On the phone, I have two new guests uh, to the pod, Mr. Andy Cow and uh, Miss Cindy Sun. How are you guys?
2: Hey, doing good.
0: Hi, I'm good.
1: You guys are actually going to be the final episode in my in my social distancing series. I, I've decided that after after this episode, uh, I may do one little recap one, but for you guys, you guys are going to be the the final the final guest that I'm bringing on, and I'll get into why I thought that you guys would be the best uh, the best guests for this. So uh, thank you for coming on tonight, and uh, I know you guys are really busy with your restaurant and your family. You know it, it's it's Just super cool to have you guys here.
2: So, is social distancing going to be over? After the temp podcast?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not going to exist anymore. I'm going to go back. All out right. I'm going to go to the Ozarks and join that little, uh, that lake party. That, that uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I heard that lake party was bad. Somebody out there had COVID. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, now probably uh, hundreds of people have COVID. Oh, so. But no, I, of course, of course, we at the EWB podcast will continue to exercise social distancing protocols. Um, it's just... For other reasons that I feel like this segment has uh, reached its end because, as we will get into, cities are starting to open up again. And maybe we'll start with that, actually. You guys live in Las Vegas, and last our listeners heard from the EWB podcast in Las Vegas, they heard from Chi and Eric, who kind of shed light on the... Uh, the onset of the pandemic and what the initial directives were, which you know, the, when they shared their experiences, it was essentially the the whole shelter in place sort of deal. Um, restaurants were obviously closed. Uh, the strip definitely was closed, and um, and then shortly after that, you know, your mayor went on <laughs> went on CNN and had a or yeah, it was CNN. Uh, and CNN had a, Anderson yeah, Cooper. Yep, had a very very famous interview where she offered you guys up as the quote-unquote control group in my eyes you know it sounded like tributes but uh since then a uh, lot's changed and my understanding is that las vegas has uh, kind of moved into the phase two of reopening or is it, is it really just considered your phase one of reopening
2: we are officially phase two today
1: nice and I guess I must have missed Phase One. So how, how when did Phase One start? Because your your restaurant technically has been open for a couple of days now, right? Or more than a week?
2: that uh, kind of. So a Phase, uh, if you want to call it Phase Zero, right, was when everything shut down. The, the city allowed restaurants to remain open as a to go only service. Mm-hmm. Um, and about three weeks ago, I think it was Mother's Day weekend. Is that three weeks? Uh, We transitioned into phase one, uh, which was very limited service in the restaurant, no bars. Every table had to be spaced out six foot apart, parties of five or less, um, and and some other precautions. And this past weekend, uh, we transitioned into phase two, where bars can open in limited capacity. And as also part of phase two, casinos will open back up starting next week.
1: That, that's a whole subculture in itself that just fascinates me. Like, what? Like do you guys know what the guidelines are for, you know, what a blackjack table is going to look like? Um, clubs, buffets, like all these things, all, all the things that make Vegas Vegas? Uh,
2: there's a lot of rules that, that the city has given us, us in terms of, uh, if you want to say casinos. For the clubs, they will not be open as part of phase two. Um, it will <laughs> be God. some other time in the future. I, I think those are just... They are already a a cesspool full of various things you can catch, and uh, now it's just even worse.
1: <laughs> Chlamydia um, on top of the COVID. I got gotcha. you. It, it, it is. You get
2: you get a two for one nowadays, actually.
1: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you guys. Um, for the listeners out there who aren't familiar with my my friends Andrew and Cindy they own the 50 uh the slater's fifty fifty restaurant in Las Vegas and this opened your restaurant opened I want to say two years ago now
2: we are almost at two years and uh, this July we will be two years old that's awesome and
1: you, your restaurant's fantastic you've uh, you've taken me and Michelle there before the food is amazing the you know the, the interiors look look awesome and even you know, the fine details like the videos that are playing on the screens are awesome it's not just your you know your standard DSPN which I'm sure is on one of, one or two of your screens but you you know you hand the hand selected the video that's playing on loop and it's like a video at least when we were there is a video of like stupid human tricks or something like that which I thought was awesome and mesmerizing.
2: Uh, you're, you're talking about our Chive TVs. Um, I, I we like to take credit for those, but but we don't. It is through Chive. Um, and oh, okay. and they make it available for us. And those are I, I call them brain melchers. People just sit there and just just it sucks them in, and they'll sit there for hours and hours. It's cat videos basically, right? <laughs> and all the different variations of it. And um, it, it's one of the best things that we bought.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised that you guys um. Had so much freedom when it came to making decisions about the restaurant because Slater's 50/50 is a franchise. It's uh you know it started in I want to say SoCal
2: right and uh, where did it? It, st- it did. Yeah, it okay. started in 2009 uh, mm-hmm. in Anaheim by Scott Slater, and uh, from there, uh, the very first restaurant was very successful. And so, because of how it was, it was running, he was able to buy the space right next to his restaurant, blow out the walls and expand the restaurant and it kept on doing well. He bought the space to the other side of the restaurant and blew out the wall um, and and combined kind of three spaces into one big restaurant. Um, and from there it kind of grew over the years um, to a whole bunch of different locations under Scott. Until he said, I think I need a vacation from growing to stand as brand. <laughs> and so uh, he he started to look to get out of the brand franchise and um, I, I think that that's that's kind of what attracted Cindy and I to this. We, we actually went as customers uh, to a Slater's fifty fifty in Pasadena back in 2013, and we liked it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so when we moved back here to Vegas, we said, we got to have one of these things in town. And so we gave them a call and said, well, you let us open one. And they said, great, we're looking for our first franchisees. And so... Uh, when you're going into a very young brand, uh, we will get this creative freedom that, that you're talking about right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's part of the fun for us.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that. Actually, I have been to the Pasadena one before. Um, that was the, the first Slater's 50-50 that I'd been to. And the 50-50 is a reference to their burger, right? It's like 50% meat and 50% bacon. Is that what the 50-50 is?
2: Yes. So, Scott wanted to make a 100% bacon patty, and <laughs> when you cook it, it just catches on fire. There's just so much bacon <laughs> on there. Um, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> and so the compromise was, all right, let's scale it back a little bit, and let's make one that is half bacon, half beef. Um, it, it's 100% delicious in there.
1: I almost want to say 200% delicious because those are those are two fantastic components that you're putting together to make a burger. But the the appeal of Slater's 50 isn't 50 isn't necessarily the food, right? It, it's more advertised as a I don't want to call it a beer hall, but it's like, um, you know, you, your restaurant has like something like 200 beers on tap, right? And and it's more or less considered an upscale uh, sports bar.
2: Is I I think how I understand it. It it very much is. I I, I wish we had 200 beers. I I don't know if Cindy wishes that we had that many (laughs) uh, because she has to manage them. So we have 50 beers on tap, uh, which does make us one of the biggest draft lists uh, here in the whole city. I think we're in 2020 now, right? So 2019, um, we were actually awarded the best beer list in Las Vegas by by Las Vegas Weekly Magazine. And so uh, we take our beer seriously. And, and it is one of the, the core competencies that our, our brand has. Along with the burger, I think the burger has to also be good. Um, and, of course, our bacon. And we use a, a double center cut pork belly for our bacon. So it's one of the best ones that you can even buy out there.
1: And I, and I assume that the you know the, the meat that you guys choose, it, it's, it's dictated by Slater's 50-50, right? It, it's not you, know, you running around to different uh, farms in California trying meat, right?
2: It, it, it is kind of a combination of that. So we use a Angus beef patty uh, for our beef. It's an 80-20 blend. Uh, it's a very high 80/20 quality.
1: 80-20 blend? Wow, I didn't know you used those terms for, uh, for burgers. I thought it was just wine.
2: <laughs> right? I, I know. And, and so it is carefully citing the best product that it is out there. Um, because there a lot of times when people think, burgers, they think either, you know, what's most famous out there is you know, McDonald's, right? Or if you go a, a half a step higher up than that, it is probably a In-N-Out or Five Guys. Um, and they kind of cap it at that, mm-hmm. right? Um, Shake Shack? And it's Shake Shack. It's a little bit better. It is, it is still a slightly better than fast food, right? It is not a gourmet burger yet. Um, it's simply due to the price point that they're at. Um, and at the price point, you can only get a certain quality of product and to really go for the best quality product out there, um, and, and command a, a better experience. Uh, that's kind of what we do here.
1: Well, before we move on to the actual, you know, COVID experience and, and you know, running the restaurant, I, I do have one question for you because I, because I live in Washington and we have a bunch of beer stops here. Do you have any beers from Washington on your, on your draft list?
2: Cindy, I'm gonna let you answer that cool. one. Cindy is our beer, from... beer curator.
0: <laughs> yes, Washington has a lot of good beers. Uh, I actually, don't think we have anything from Washington. We closest we probably have is from Oregon. Oh, which one? Uh there is a brewery out there called Ninkasi oh, in yeah. Eugene. Yep, yeah. mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah, we do have a we we are yeah we do a lot of to some of their release parties. I think they have a fresh beer that is uh called. Peach of the Maiden or something like that that's coming out on IPA. Um, that's due to drop next week. It's a fresh brew. So we, we'll be one of the first restaurants out here to to carry it because there's not many of us open right now um, that's doing draft beers. So uh, so that that one we're going to bring on board. Uh, we usually have a tap with them for sure. Uh, I think we had a... I think Alpine... Alpine Breweries from Washington, if I, if I remember correctly... Um, we had a we had a beer from them, but but we I think we took that off uh, a couple months
1: ago. yeah bummer. Well, when this is all over, uh, I I and I know you guys have been to Seattle multiple times. Um, but I, I do encourage you guys to come up to Washington and uh, we'll, we'll go do, do some beer tasting around here because there there is some pretty pretty darn good beer here and um and I'm not a huge IPA guy but I, I would say the IPAs up here are pretty solid so uh, reason for you guys to come back up here and I'm sure it'll be it'll be tax deductible because it's research right
2: it, it is it's a business trip we'll there call you. it that <laughs>
1: there you go <laughs> there you go um. So let's jump into actually how Slater's fifty-fifty 50 uh, survived this COVID thing, because, you know, a lot of what we heard uh, and even before this whole shelter in place directive uh, started happening was a lot of these smaller businesses were shutting down because, you know, frankly, a lot of people were scared and weren't uh, feeling like going out and eating, especially, you know, due to the risk of being out in crowds. So I'm curious. With the likelihood of people needing to social distance, how did you guys first approach uh, the news? Did did you guys already start planning to uh, kind of pivot towards this takeout only approach for a certain amount of time, or were you guys did you guys just cautiously dial back your business in anticipation for this?
0: Um I think I think we did anticipate going to takeout only uh at some point in time. So uh right before the governor issued the news for all, all of us to go to takeout only, about a week before that, many of the restaurants, you know, especially the bigger chains, um, have started already pivoting to, you know, takeout mm-hmm. only and closing their dining rooms. And we also saw a significant dip in our our dining law during you know, during those those couple of days. And we kind of knew that this takeout thing is coming. Uh and in all honesty, prior to the COVID shutdown, um, takeout really was not our strongest performing, I guess, not only in sales, but we don't even perform very well in takeout because we put a lot of focus in our dine-in experience. The takeout usually came from what we call the third-party deliveries company. So, you know, Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. And so they're kind of an afterthought, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you, you, it's kind of like a service that I provide. It's not really not so much of a, of anything that we put any focus on. So so generally, the quality of it was, um, and accuracy of it was left, you know, some. Room to be, you know, desired. It's not not very perfect. So we we kind of anticipated that we were gonna go there, and and so we started pivoting about mm, a week before the shutdown uh, by looking at, you know, various takeout supplies boxes, and then uh, looking at what kind of program are we going to do, what kind of program are we gonna use if if we were to go to an online ordering system because the great thing about the Grubhub and DoorDash and you know all these companies is they they do bring customers but they also take a very big chunk of commission. So you know right. they're not sustainable in the business model. They're okay as a side gig but they're not they are not okay as putting all your resources to it. So so we ended up looking at a variety and the actual end up looking at a variety of different platforms that's, you know, which one's reliable, cost effective and things like that and um it just i think the shutdown came a lot faster than we expected we were expected you know mm-hmm. we're gonna be given a couple of days to try to figure this out once mm-hmm. he gives the news but he but the governor really said okay tonight's the night <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> you're not opening so wow. uh, we're, yeah we're very lucky that our we were just right on time the next day all our boxes showed up it took up my entire back storage of i think we got like 13 cases of to-go boxes and so and then Andy flipped the switch overnight and got our online ordering system going. And then uh, so, so how week-
1: how quickly were you um, quote unquote open for business? Was it just really like literally right the next day? day? Oh wow! Yeah,
0: so we closed <laughs> at, you know 10 o'clock our usual closing hour you know on the on the 16th of March, uh, 17th of March was Saint Patrick's Day, um <laughs> and we closed at 10 and then the next day at 11 you know my staff walked in and we all went to to go and we said okay here are the all the five iPads you're gonna watch and they're all gonna ding and ding and you know <laughs> here's what you're gonna do when they happen when that happens and mm. and it took a little like a week or so to fine-tune the actual operation on you know how we're gonna stage the food and things like that but but you know for the most part the orders were coming and we we just we just started doing them. So-
1: What's impressive to me is that, you know, you guys are considered a gourmet burger. And I am I'm surprised that that people there was still a market for that in in these times when people are basically getting everything to go, right? Uh, you know, when I when I think of getting a burger to go, I I honestly would never pay more than like McDonald's prices <laughs> for a burger that I'm eating to go. Um so obviously you guys did a wonderful job building a great client base um you guys are a staple of the the local community um you know and i remember you you guys telling me that you you know you see your customers at the airport um you know people recognize you so uh that's probably helped a lot but in terms of uh your um the approach of you know selling these gourmet burgers did did you guys have to do anything different specifically there or was it just already like, Hey, you know, word of mouth, it's a damn good burger. People are still going to buy them. I
0: think, I think um, there is, um, there is some, I mean, I think we were pleasantly surprised actually, because I'm on, I'm on the same page as you. I was like, who's going to spend, you know, our burgers started at like $15 or 12 to $15, you know, so who's going to spend money to go buy a gourmet burger. You might as well get in and out, you know, there are, you know, three bucks a burger. Um, but I think there is I think we got really lucky and what we did not anticipate was that we are at we are at kind of the top of of that to go market. And so what we really relied on was our social media presence. Um, so we have about uh, over 11000 followers on Instagram. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> we just passed our 10K couple of months or so before you know the whole covid thing and it really paid off so we came up with things like date night packages we brought on cakes and desserts uh we started when well, we were allowed to eventually but we started selling bottled wines uh growlers for beer uh that's you know like a sealed container of beer so you could buy the whole package it's almost like a three-course meal for a date night you could take home and just open it up and eat it so we did a lot of those kind of uh, marketing strategies, and and those really helped the date night sold really well, and people are are willing to pay a little bit more for the convenience of getting the beer and the you know and the dessert and the burgers all in one. Yeah.
1: Man, that's that, that's really good. And and how long did that? Uh, so we, the the to go model lasted for almost looks like two months, right? It's
0: yeah, close to two months. Yeah, we ended on May 9th. For the we opened for a dining business on the night. so it's a little shy, a week shy of, a, of two months.
1: Mm-hmm. And are, are you are you seeing? I mean, people are probably a little, still a little bit cautious about coming back in. So I assume that this to go model that you guys built up um, to accommodate this this COVID situation that's still up and running, and you know the demand for it's still high. Do you think that? For the future of your business, um, specifically the to-go, uh, the to-go orders aspect of it, do you think that's going to continue at the same rate, or do you, do you think that, do you think that you're going to have to change your model even a little bit more?
0: Um, I mean, I think with this whole COVID thing, we have learned that you know, business is all about change. You know, constantly trying to catch you know the next wave or the next you know, next way to do business, you're just gonna stay stay ahead of the curve, you know, or stay stay with the times, so to speak. Um, but I think right now to go is still a very, very big part of our business now. And you know, thankfully, you know, the 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 best thing out of the whole situation is that we do do to go's a lot better now. It is part of our operation now. Versus back then it was just like an afterthought. So that's probably one good thing that came out of the entire entire situation.
1: Definitely so as you guys open up, um, what what precautions have you guys been required to take? It, is the six foot thing? I assume it's between tables, not between patrons, right? Um, and I assume that goes for everywhere, bar and dining room and outdoors. Is there anything else that's a little? I don't want to say not typical, but just something that's not so common knowledge for for people that are going out and you know practicing social distancing. What, what's specific to restaurants that is a little bit more unique
0: um yeah so six foot is between you know parties uh and it's between their seats actually so you know if you pull a chair out and you sit down kind of from where you sit to the, where the next person sits uh roughly speaking uh here in las vegas or in in nevada we're no we're not allowed uh any any group size more than five so if you come in with a party of six or seven you're gonna have to Split up into two separate tables. It took a little bit of the flexibility we have, you know, in terms of seating. When in the in the past, if you get a big table, we just kind of put two tables together, and you know, <laughs> there we go, we have yeah. ten people. Uh, we squeeze someone in. But now, you know, we kind of we can't do that anymore because all the tables are measured. So, so you know, the two top is going to take up the same space as a six top.
1: Oh man, D- did you have to buy new tables for this?
0: Ah uh, no, we just kind of used the tables that we had. We just rearranged them.
1: Gotcha. Um what what about uh what about silverware and things like that? Are there are there restrictions on the kind that you can use or is are things a lot more strict when it comes to dishwashing, you know, some of the back of the house stuff?
0: Ah, uh, the dishwashing doesn't really change cuz you know, you still use use hot water and you still have sanitizer uh you know going through the dish machine so that's not that didn't quite change however um there's a lot more procedure in terms of you know we don't preset our tables anymore so we have to remember that when we greet a table we have to bring out our plates and cutlery uh we had to you know quickly come up with a disposable menu because every party has to you know and then we had to come up with a qr code because our beer list changes <laughs> you know, so we can't really use disposable. Um, and then I think on top of it, we also have, you know, like a lot more hand washing sessions with the team members, you know, that they have to remember to, to wash their hands um, every time, you know, after they bust a table, uh, no handshakes. And obviously everyone has to wear a mask now. So so that's kind of a new norm uh, for the team.
1: Nice. So as one of the first restaurants that's opening, are, are you guys under a lot of scrutiny from – health inspectors
0: you know surprisingly no
1: <laughs> <laughs> i
0: think everyone is kind Ooh. of just still trying to figure it out yeah. um but i'm sure it's coming so mm. so um so yeah.
1: yeah well that's good um any other thoughts i mean any other experiences from reopening i mean i oh yeah i, I wanted to ask you about the challenges. Um, you know, with, uh, with two things, the first one being uh, pay. Uh, and if you're not comfortable talking about this, that's fine. But a lot of what we've seen here in Washington is that people that got furloughed or laid off from their jobs are actually doing pretty well from, um, you know, from, from the quote unquote stimulus. And also, you know, states have been pretty helpful in providing um, unemployment insurance has getting people to come back to work been challenging or did you guys ever have to lay people or send people away when, uh, when you guys moved to the, to the to go model?
0: Yeah, we had to uh, reduce our staff definitely during the to go times um, because when it first started, you know, obviously the to goes were not very busy. uh, And then as business slowly picked up, uh, we actually started to bring our staff back before we even uh, reopened. So, from the kitchen side, I think they were back to almost full schedule when we're about to reopen, and you know, from the server side, once we reopened, um, they they came back to full schedule, and um, you know, the new unemployment benefits and the federal stimulus, they does create somewhat of a challenge, you know, to, to get people to come back, however, um, for the most part, you know, the majority of our staff is pretty, you know, they're pretty hardworking, and they also want to eventually have a place to come back to when the whole stimulus ends. So, so far we've been pretty successful getting our whole team back to, back to work.
1: Mm-hmm. And Slater's 50-50 takes care of their own, I'm sure. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about was for supply. Um, and, it, you know, we've heard about the challenges of, uh, of some of these meat factories uh, shutting down due to COVID outbreaks. Has that affected you guys in terms of getting meat for your burgers?
0: Uh yes, absolutely. Um, we we so that was like the other challenge you had to deal with on the week of opening because you know the governor said to open, but there were no beef. You know, <laughs> we're a burger place. We need beef. Um, so I think right now ground beef is at almost what some places eight dollars a pound, some places twelve dollars a pound. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so we use um this Angus beef patty. You know, 80 twenty Angus Black Canyon Angus for our our burgers. And, you know, and it kind of it's a standard that needs to be maintained for the most part, because that's what we advertise. Um, so I think on on that day, when we found out that a lot of these things are getting shorted, uh, I actually called up my supplier, which is one of the biggest suppliers, U.S. Foods, uh, food supplier in town. And and they had about, you know, 80 cases of beef left in their warehouse. So I sent Andy to drive his van and pick up all of them. She was like, how many cases do you want? And I was like, I'll take whatever angus you have and she's like well this is the only 80 cases i have i was like good you know so i was like i'll be there how much meat hours.
1: is in one case
0: uh i think it was a 10 pound case damn so, <laughs> so 800 pounds of, of beef so he drove there he put it in his minivan and we drove it back and we found space in our freezer uh and our fridge to kind of you know put them away you know um and that's kind of kind of uh kind of how we dealt with it and then the next day we got on the call with the suppliers to see you know where they were at and so we could actually pre-buy a lot of these um food supplies usually you only pay for the food supply when it hits your uh how do i say it hits your store so when you order it will show up but because we were very concerned so we told them we'll pay you up front but you know you make it and you can store it for us or when we need it, you're going to have to make it. You know, it's like almost like a commitment um, because because we didn't know where the prices were going and we also didn't know where the supply was going. So so we try to do a lot of those to kind of buy us. I think right now we're at, you know, about two months of inventory with you know, all these scrambling. Wow. Yeah. So
1: have you gotten any news on where that industry is heading or are, you know, are these plans opening back up?
0: Um, I honestly have not been keeping too much tabs on it, um, but um, I know that we've been seeing, seeing you know, the products we had paid for starting to show up. So, so they're, they're still, the plants are still working. They're just working at a very limited capacity. So hopefully they would be able to come back. And a lot of the supply issues also came with the shutdown because, when the shutdown happened, a lot of these meat plants and a lot of the, you know, food distributors had to throw away millions of food, you know, million dollars of food because all these restaurants were closing and they're not in business. And so all these food got thrown away. And so they had to adjust their, their supply chain to meet what is the canoe supply. But it took them about a month to do that. And by the time they got there, everyone is opening. So... <laughs> <laughs> so now they're all scrambling to try to come back. Yeah. We just have a lot of challenge getting like our 50-50 patty in-house because it's, you know, it's half ground bacon, half ground beef. And this ground bacon is a very special product that not many people actually use or carry. So um, so it's been hard. You know, it's really only very few limited suppliers who are, who are providing those.
1: Who who knew that ground bacon would be hard? I think you I mean it sounds sounds pretty straightforward. Buy some bacon, cook it and grind it. <laughs> right. Well it's grounded
0: before before it's cooked. Okay. And he even looked looked at the grinder. He was figuring like if it comes down to it we'll we'll grind it ourselves. <laughs>
1: just go just go to Costco and uh... <laughs> just load it up with bacon. <laughs>
0: Well, so do you
1: guys think that um, what do you think is the new norm gonna be like when everything normalizes? Like, are is this six foot thing gonna be very very long term for the you know for the life of your business, or do you think that as you know the vaccines are you know, there are found and released? Things are going to get more or less back to normal with obviously some more precautions with masks and you know the paper menus and whatnot. But do do you think that your your restaurant is going to operate at the full capacity that it that it used
2: to prior to this? Um, I, I can I can take that one. Um, there there's this the chase of a new norm, right? And you know a lot, a lot of times when we think normal, we think of what was it yesterday or you know in this case I guess 2019 what did things look like <laughs> um, and and there is no norm anymore right the, the only thing that's happening differently nowadays is that things are just changing a lot faster and we just have to keep up with it um, you know to, to this point of do we does the social distancing go away um, well, Will we be able to put all of our tables back in at full capacity again yeah probably one day uh, when the time comes. Um, and you know, we, we are, we're, we're, not the right people to judge when that is or what that looks like. I think there's a lot of really smart people out there, the scientists that are, are going to make a call what, when that right time is. Um, and, and really all we can do as a business is, you know, comply with what they think the, the, the right thing to do today is. And when the time changes, just move with that again.
1: Are, are you guys seeing any additional, um, Obstacles that you're gonna to have to overcome over the next couple of months, or do you think that you guys have made it over the hill and now it's—I uh, don't want to say smooth sailing, but it, it it gets a little bit more easy from here.
2: Especially in our town, uh, being a very tourist-based market, um, we have to see what happens when the federal stimulus ends. Um, right, right now, you know, people are out of work, but they are still earning somewhat of a paycheck. Um, and so it gives them the ability to, to go out. And when this ends and, and that dries up and our, our town hasn't started back up, essentially our, our economic engine of tourism, right? Um, if that doesn't start back up, then a lot of people here in town will not be employed. And, you know, we are a beneficiary of the people who are employed locally to come out to eat. And so um, we're going to have to see what that looks like don't know yet i I hope it's not too terrible and i hope we start back up very quickly you know for the sake of all of us
1: yeah i hope so too and i hope you guys are able to grow i mean i I would love to see a slater 50, 50 50 on the strip um and i know you know long ago you you had told me about why um why that wasn't the the best business decision but it would be uh it would be really really cool to to have a piece on the strip so um Really, that's just selfishly, I just want to say, I, I know a couple that owns a restaurant on the Strip. So. <laughs> you don't need to listen to me. Um, so I always want to take this to more of a personal level. Um, in As this whole thing unfolded, do you guys have any personal reflections as a married couple that runs a business, which is I imagine is already very, very challenging, but also had to overcome this whole challenge? Uh, what have you guys learned on a personal level and what have you
2: guys learned to appreciate? That's a very deep question. Um, <laughs> so what, what have we come to appreciate? I think, you know, when, when, when the whole shutdown occurred, right, um, we kind of sat on the sidelines and um, there's really nothing that we could have done, right? A, a lot of times you want to you wanna be able to do something to help out. And we sell burgers right I, I don't I don't know what we could have done to make things better out there for whatever better meant
1: mm-hmm. um
2: but you guys have
1: i mean you guys have done the match thing the the seventy five dollar match thing yes
2: so yeah. uh so, so yeah, the only thing we is. could have done right was <laughs> well stick to what we are good at as a restaurant and so uh we we started this program uh called let's go fifty fifty to Feed our frontline responders, um, and it was basically partnering up with our community. Um, and we are a very highly community-based restaurant. A bunch of our customers, you know, they, they come at the same time every single week, sit so in the same spot, and order the same thing. And <laughs> even during you know our shutdown to go times, they will still come at the same time, order the same food, and sit in the parking lot and eat that same burger. Um, <laughs> it, it was just very bizarre, but. That, that is who we are as a community restaurant. And so, you know, together with our community, um, basically every donation that they made, uh, dollar for dollar, we would match it, and we would go out there and feed all the people who were actually really doing something out there to to fight this coronavirus. Through To today, we are at over 700 burgers served to... You know, a whole bunch of different hospitals here in town, a whole bunch of quick cares. We fed them to police stations that are out there. We fed them to firefighters Um, and even going all the way to the people who look at work at the city department. You know, these people still have to maintain and run the city, even though things are shut down. These people still have to show up to work and they can't work remotely. And so feeding these people and reminding them that, you know, we are grateful that they're still going to work these days. And taking care of us as a community.
1: Yeah. And as, as a former Las Vegas residents, I, I, I think what you guys are doing is amazing and truly, really compassionate. I, I think a lot of the people in healthcare are really, you know, are, and, and rightfully so getting, um, you know, the spotlight of, you know, appreciation. Um, but, you know, like you said, people who work down at the city are probably, are still, doing very, very tough jobs and probably are on the receiving end of a lot of frustrated people. Uh, so for you guys to recognize that and be a part of your community to show them that you appreciate what they're doing is is truly remarkable. And, and I'm glad that you guys had that self-awareness self, self awareness to want to help out. Any other personal reflections? Any, um, you know, in terms of running a business as a married couple, things you've learned about
0: each other? Um, I think I'm, I'm just, I'm very thankful, actually, you know, at the end of the, I have a very, you know, great team, you know, people that, that I work with, that work for us. Um, they all rose up, you know, rise up to the occasion and, you know, whatever we need done, they did it. Even if they have never done it in their life before, you know, it was, you know, like my servers who, when we first started, we were just doing two goals and we're like, we're just going to do two goals. It's nothing much we can do, but, you know, come the next week, they're like, well, we got a couple of regulars coming ordering from us on Wednesdays and Thursdays and, you know, this is my Wednesday people and this is my Thursday. Well, how do you how are you turning around regular customers with just phone calls, you know, but but they did it. You know, they still went out and did what they're supposed to do, you know, give the community some some sense of normal normalcy, I guess, you know, uh, to bring that to to the people and and also Andy, he 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 pivoted really well. He was never really that involved in the restaurant prior to COVID because he had he had a he had a day job to go to. But now that he spends more time there, I think he learned to cook on the in the kitchen. And, you know, his cooking skill has improved exponentially. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I can comfortably leave the restaurant in his hands and take a weekend off. And so it's it's been it's been it's been good.
1: Andy, do you, do you have any other anything else to add?
2: I, I, I think only to Cindy's point of, of seeing our team right to the occasion um, where everybody said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll figure it out, and we'll go through it together. Um, and and it, was, it was quite incredible to to see that and have you know everybody that you know, rally around uh, making sure we all make it through together. And I, I don't think there's anything more that I could have asked for.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, just because you know you you guys are managers at your restaurant, um, and for what I do, I'm somewhat in a management position. Uh, The the whole idea of rising up during this time of you know of challenges and you know needing to be innovative and needing to you know uh, be able to pivot very quickly and adapt, you know all these all the buzzwords that are being thrown out there. uh, I, I can speak from my own experience that. I was I was a lot more reactive than I would have liked to have been. And I was, you know, even now, you know, 3 months into this, I'm still of kind of the the attitude of come on guys, let's just let's, let's just get this done, where it, it's very very short-sighted and not so much to um should I should say not very empathetic <laughs> to uh, the people I work with. Um, I'm curious, did you guys carefully plan any of this or read in anything or get
2: tips from other restaurant owners. I think it's, it a, it's a long game for us, right? You, you can't just say, Hey, overnight, I'm going to be super nice and empathetic and they're all going to do this. Right. That's, that's not the way it works. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we very meticulously and very carefully plan the culture around a restaurant. Um, and that starts from picking the right people and, you know, we're, we're not always perfect at picking the right people. And so that also means weeding them out very quickly if we feel that they're the wrong fit for our culture. Um, and then maintaining it. Um, you know, I, I think right before the shutdown, I think just that week, we took our entire team out. and We, we did an escape room together of all. Nice. I don't know, Cindy, how many people were there? Like, were there?
0: I don't remember. It was like 20 of us, I think. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, it, it, it's And it's my doing... team won. <laughs> <laughs> yes my team lost uh but we, we had a good time um but it, it's doing things like this that is very untraditional for what restaurants typically do right and you know of course we pay for the whole thing and then afterwards we you know we took them uh to get you know we all went out for drinks together afterwards um we you know we, we take our, our birthday celebrations and our our you know anniversaries very seriously with, with the team. You know there is always a good cake. Um, there is always a you know a, a a souvenir or reward when they hit a milestone or anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it, it's going through these rituals. You know on the long run, um, that that builds a team that is you know part of who we are and represents us, and part of who the restaurant is, and part of who and the, the community goes to when they want a place to eat. And right. and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't that when we shut down that, hey, we all have to do this and, you know, here's your extra stuff. It was more of a, hey, well, this is what we just all have to do together. And uh, as we were figuring it out, they were figuring it out along with us.
0: I think a lot of it comes down to, Um, And I think, you know, as a small company, as a small business, you know, small business owner, we have the liberty of doing this versus, you know, coming from a corporate uh, kind of world um, is to really just be honest with your team. So uh, when we went to the shutdown, you know, we had to think about, you know, why are we because everyone is frantic right They're Like, well, you know, do I have a job? What's going to happen? You know, so it's really just at that point of time offering people a peace of mind and just to be honest you know hey guys here's a situation we're gonna have to go to you know a pickup to go and we have no idea how busy this is going to be or how unbusy it's going to be so here's what we're gonna start with this is the basic staffing that we're gonna go with and the rest of you you know you're gonna have to be furloughed right then if you need help applying for unemployment you know i will be here with you know my computer for this many hours a day to help you out you know get onto the border get your unemployment application and um, and once we are ready to bring the staff back, we'll be calling you. And here is how you know we're going to be calling everyone. So, so people have an understanding that what is coming. And I think during the shutdown period, we had to offer all our staff that were on, you know, kind of on the roster at that time, one free meal a day. So they're able to come in and just place an order, and and we'll pay for it basically. You know, they just grab their burgers for the day. Um, so it kind of kept people connected and. And to let them know that they still have a job. It's not that they don't. It's just that right now we're slower. You know, we have to cut some hours, but we'll be bringing everyone back. So, and it's really just being honest about that to, to, to your staff. And, and a lot of them for the, you know, in, in terms of like a temporary setup, they will understand and, and, and they'll stick around. Mm
1: So what I'm hearing is I'm, I'm a shitty manager and I should learn from you guys. It's, it's really cool to hear that you guys, um, you know, what you said, you know, you, you, you've you thought about the culture from, you know, step one. And you guys had a uh, an idea of, you know, what kind of employee that you guys would work well with. And in a sense, you know, some somebody that you wanted to help nurture and succeed. And and I think that really helps build a, a good workplace culture to survive this sort of thing. And I, I really commend the two of you on that. Um for to wrap this up, I, I always love asking this, but have either of you picked up any new hobbies uh, since since this whole thing started? I, I would say the two of you are probably on the on the busier end of the spectrum than the the rest of us sitting at home all day so i'm uh, curious if you guys have picked up anything or watched anything so uh
0: we um uh, jose andy learned tiktok <laughs> because going into the shutdown i told him everyone is going to be on tiktok so we gotta figure this tiktok thing out like fast <laughs> so he had to put on his 18 year old hat and learn tiktok and so now he i think one of his videos went viral he has like over a million views on that video. Holy shit. But wow. we still can't figure out why, and we don't know why that video <laughs> went viral. I've never been able to duplicate that since. But, oh, um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand TikTok, so maybe I'll have to go go learn from Andy. Maybe, maybe this uh, maybe the EWB podcast needs a, a little TikTok promotion or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you You got to put your... You got to put the, what what would a 13 year old think? (laughs) And and unfortunately, I'm very, I guess very fortunately, I'm very childish and immature. (laughs) And so that that came to me a little bit more naturally than what it should have taken.
1: Well, I'll definitely have to check it out. Um that, that's really cool that you picked it up. and as as great as it's uh, worked out for your business, I'm sure it'll it'll come um useful when, for your personal lives, too, you know, I mean once uh, Lexi gets old enough to get on social media, you can con- you can connect with her.
2: Oh, TikTok <laughs> will be all news by then, yeah,
1: probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Facebook survived for almost twenty years. I mean, we're we're coming up on like, 16 seventeen years maybe so you know maybe, maybe it's maybe it's the one that that lasts for decades to come
2: so mm-hmm. let let's, we'll, we'll put it this way I think when we were opening we hired a marketing intern mm-hmm. and we asked her to describe the various social networks and she said yeah Facebook's the thing that I think moms are on nowadays. <laughs> And so how uh, well, well, you about the times
1: well anyway, it it's it's not entirely away from the truth, right? <laughs> you got two little ones and i I got one uh, one of my own, so um I guess it's that's, that's the reality we live in uh any other things that you guys have a time for or any um you know, what about school for your kids? I mean, you know they're they're of the age that they they're at preschools Is, has there been any challenges at home with that or
2: So uh, both kids have been going to school um, and, and you know the schooling system here shut down also. Um, my our older one uh, the, the school was very gracious and basically uh, releasing all of their coursework online for us to, to download and, and do at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were able to do that. You know, there there's also this, I think, like Pediatric Association guideline of like one hour of TV a day for kids. And that went away very quickly after the <laughs> first hour. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, you know, Disney Plus and, and Netflix were there to save us. Uh, but no, you know, there, there's a ton of great, you know, apps on uh, the iOS store on, on iPads that they've been able to to learn from, and they're at the age where it's okay, you know, they 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 can, it's nothing too complicated, and they can sit there and the apps will guide them through alphabets and and some numbers and stuff like that.
1: Hmm. Well, that's good. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine you know needing to worry about a uh... A child's education um, while juggling work. That I'm again. I'm so glad that Davis is only you know a couple months old, and he's kind of at the point where he can you know he just eats, shits, and cries, <laughs> and, and <stuff laughs> for, so. pretty good life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty easy to manage. Well, thank you to so much for taking time to be on, and this this has been really cool. It you know I I've uh, I've wanted to hear your guys' story for a very long time, and I think. Uh, you know, hearing how you know you guys came into the business and how you guys survived this um, this craziness has been really inspiring. Thanks for having us on.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, and yep. uh, you know, we'll, we'll find some other things. You know, the, the podcast isn't going away. Just the social distancing series is. So you know, when things uh, mellow out a little bit, you know, we'll have you we'll have you both back on for for something that's not related to work. Um, escape rooms. Actually, that is one thing I would love to talk to you guys about. And for the listeners <laughs> out there, um, doing escape rooms with uh, with uh, Andy and Cindy results in a pretty high pass rate, unless you're doing that shitty Saw 1 downtown. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. And you guys take thank care. You. Thank
1: you. Thank
2: you. for having the
0: water, ass in the sand.
2: Not a worry in a world of cold beer. In my hand, life is good today. Life is good today
0: Adios and via con deals. A long way from GA Yes, and all the muchachas They call me Big Papa When I
2: throw pesos their way Adios and via con deals. A long way from GA Pour me some Jaeger and I'll grab my guitar and play